It is yet another edition of What's Involved. Special guest uh, today and uh, somebody I've been looking forward to speaking to because I want to know all about them. Her name is uh, Simone Musgrave. Now, when I first heard Musgrave, I thought, I'm sure I've seen that somewhere before. And upon uh, further inspection, uh, Simone, you are the founder and CEO of Musgrave Crafted Spirits. That's correct. Yes, I am. I am everything. <laughs> That's fantastic. The thing that caught my attention immediately, of course, was, was uh, the gin, because I am a big fan um, of gin. And, and I, am, I am sort of very loyal to two, two particular brands. So we won't go into that now, and I, but I definitely now need to find a little bit more about uh, Musgrave. But first and foremost, before we get there, um, will you tell me a little bit about Simone? Who is Simone? Where do you come from? And how on earth did you get into crafted spirits? Yes, yeah, so um, I, I grew up in Pretoria. Um, my parents uh, hail from Zimbabwe. My father grew up in Tanzania. And uh, they sort of ended up strangely in Pretoria, where I spent uh, most of my childhood. And I, th I guess sort of fast forward to my, my career, I got involved in the F FMCG industry. And so spent, you know, sort of 14 years of my career developing products. I was head of innovation for Food Corp, uh, RCL Foods, and really worked across beautiful brands and powerful brands um, from a trends analyst point of view all the way through to launching products on the shelf. I also started how I got into that industry as I started a baby food business, as all good young mothers do. Uh, I had my first child at 26, my second at 28, quite interested in their diets and health and uh, started a baby food business called Yum Nums, which sort of launched me into that, that product uh, manufacturing food retail sort of space. And so it was, it was always a passion, although I studied linguistics and closer. Uh, so one wonders why did I end up in food? But I think, you know, if, if I can think back to my childhood, it was always about food and, and about product and beautiful things. And I think that's sort of the, the journey that I've followed, which has led me into Musgrave. So, man, I wanted to ask you, though, but, you know, just in terms of, of that, that journey, yeah, I, I get the baby food, but what made you decide, yeah, I can do this. I can go out and, and sell alcohol products. I, I mean, which one did you start with? So it was an interesting time. I had spent sort of 13 years in corporate. I'd survived three acquisitions from the lifestyle group to food corp to RCL Foods. And uh, the chicken guys decided the innovation center in Cape Town that I'd set up was no longer a huge focus for them. And I was facing retrenchment. So being a single mom and you know needing that salary, I thought, holy crap, I better start uh, looking for something else to do. And was really reluctant to go back into the corporate world and into, into this sort of FMCG space. I think I felt like I'd done my time. Of course, I'd had huge value in terms of retail relationships, understanding the, the supply chain, uh, product brand. So I felt, well, let me dabble and see what comes up. I spent a lot of time going on, on journeys around the world. Part of my job was to eat and drink around the world and come back with trends and ideas. So... You know, it was a rubbish job, but someone had to do it. And so on my one trip to London, I was with, in fact, I was with Woolworths. We were on a sandwich trip. 
And I started to see this craft, this word craft, and I was starting to investigate from a trend point of view, what did craft mean? You know, it was sort of going into fast food even and onto alcohol. And I, I picked up on this gin trend and being a gin and tonic lover and having grown up in Zimbabwe um, and, and that sort of sundowner moment in the bush, it really resonated with me. So I went on a gin and tonic tour of the east side of London and we had a lot of gin that night and a couple of pies thrown in and just started to think, well, I, I really love this occasion and this, this experience and I love the stories, but the, the British botanicals and product didn't really resonate with me. It wasn't my story. So I came back and facing retrenchments, I thought, well, let me just do this. And I, I knew how to put products together. I had the surname with such a rich story behind it of our family's adventures in Africa and thought, well, let me do something on the side. I was a little bit bored with chicken and peanut butter and mayonnaise uh, development, and it just seemed a lot sexier. So I started well, to... Mm. It certainly is sexy. I mean, you know, peanut butter, gin, you know, it's not a hard decision, I don't think, for, for, for most people to make. Exactly. And so it just was, in, in some ways, a sideline to keep me entertained while I was waiting to hear when I would be pushed out. And... I, you know, product development is really about not, you don't have to know everything about that product. It's about doing your research, putting the right people around you and saying, this is the vision. So I found uh, Roger Jorgensen, who for me is just such a guru around gin and really was the, one of the first guys out there doing amazing, uh, amazing developments with, with craft alcohol and started to chat to him saying, you know, this is my story. I, I want to find botanicals from Africa that in the countries my grandfather adventured to and create this African gin. Fainbos wasn't really my story. And we started to put a botanical set together and brand, I understood it was my own name. So it was an easy brief. Uh, found the right agency to, to develop a pretty label. But I knew I had to cut my teeth with a classic gin before I launched into what I always wanted to do was pink. And within six months, I had bought a thousand bottles from France, got some labels. We'd made a batch of gin and the distillery that I approached had just started. Uh, I never wanted my own distillery. I'm not a distiller, I'm more of a brand person. So within six months, we'd got this product. Uh, I then walked the streets with gin in my handbag and, and sold it in. And it was really very, very quick. Uh, it was at the right time. 2015 was the start of the gin trend in South Africa. And it was still very much in its infancy. And, and the rest is history. So I hadn't I actually got retrenched. Uh, a year later, I still wasn't retrenched. And I had launched Pink. Uh, my bosses knew what I was doing. I think they thought, shame, bless her, let her do this because we know we're going to boot her out. And uh, eventually <laughs> I begged them. I begged them to let me go. And, um, and then I, I eventually, uh, about six months after I launched Pink, I went full-time into my script. It, it's, a, it's a stunning story. And I mean, you, if you look, for example, even at the website, um, it, it has this sense of, old world charm and, and sophistication and elegance. Is that what you were going for? Absolutely. I think everything that I wanted to bring to a brand was a femininity and a powerful woman um, energy to that. But with that comes this heritage story. And the story is really of my grandfather who arrived in Africa in 1947. My father was nine months old. They'd on a ship for three months. You know, those days that was the gap year. And he had decided to move out of carpentry 
into being a missionary. And um, Africa, he could have chosen India or he could have chosen Africa and he chose Africa. And so he spent 30 years in the bush um, missioning. Uh, my, my grandmother was the, the nurse and they built clinics and schools in very, very remote areas. So I always say that to go at 19 years old from Plymouth to, to Dar es Salaam essentially is where they landed into Kenya uh, was, was terrifying. And that was the ultimate bravery. And then the, the sort of pink story is really my, my bravery as a female entrepreneur in South Africa, uh, forging my way as a single parent. And, and so this, the story of heritage and bravery and power, female power is really the essence of the brand, the DNA of the brand. But we have, we've really learned a lot over the five years. And we started with this brand idea and how it's evolved and how the consumers told us how they see it. So it's been a super interesting journey and the evolving of the brand. Wonderful stuff. It is What's Involved, uh, my special guest. Uh, we're talking Musgrave, uh, the craft spirits, craft drinks. Musgravespirits.com is the place to go. And we have the founder and CEO, Simone Musgrave, uh, chatting to us. When we come back, though, I want to talk a little bit more about, about gins because a gin is not just a gin. I mean, you, you, you get stuff that tastes like paint stripper. And then as you move up and, and you get the different uh, qualities of gin. Now, just from what I can see, the Musgrave is, is one of those top, top quality gins. When we come back, can we talk a little bit about what goes into making a gin? Absolutely. Fantastic stuff. It is what's involved. My special guest is Simone Musgrave. When we come back, finding out how we make gin. What's it all about? And we're back. It is what's involved. Special guest with me uh, is Simone Musgrave. She is the founder and CEO of uh, Musgrave Spirits. Simone, uh, quick one. What goes into, uh, oh, by the way, let me just get your, your name correct. It's Musgrave crafted spirits. I don't want to get into trouble for that. What goes into making gin? So gin is, I always say it, in my easiest way to explain it is flavored vodka. So essentially you start off with a base spirit. Now this can be a spirit made from grain. It could be a spirit made from grape or from cane. And there's different interpretations of that. And I, I'm not sure that it makes a whole lot of difference, but it adds to a story. We've chosen to go cane spirit. It's a high quality cane spirit. Obviously it's flavorless and that is your base. And so all gins will start with a base. And the only thing that makes a gin is juniper. So you, that's the, you could have 100% juniper gin. After that, you can start to add really whatever you like. And there's some gins, and I would say one of the, one of the ones I love is Monkey 47, and that's got 47 different botanicals from German forests. So it's really a, a, a playful space and it's one of those spirits. And I think this is why it's become such a trend because there's so much story in every different gin. Now one can make that badly as well. The under distilling of it could make it uh, really rough and, and quite harsh. There can be limited, people can use flavors. So there's very little legislation around this as well. But essentially what you want to do is the distiller's craft lies in when they cut that spirit. So it goes into the, the, the pot still, it's distilled. The first bit that comes out is a bit smelly and pongy because it's almost been stewed. And the very last bit is similar. It's that middle piece that is the, the gem. And your distiller's craft is really in knowing when to cut that. And then the balance of the botanicals, the balance of sweet, 
and bitter and sour. Those are all things that add to a good gin, but essentially it, it is quite a skilled operation. And I think what's happened is a lot of gins have sort of taken the shortcuts and that's when you get the rough. Uh, and you can almost taste it. It's almost hard in your mouth. Um, obviously pure alcohol is hard on your mouth anyway, but you can certainly taste a, a non-balanced gin. So what I wanted to do was create a, a gin that was memorable, that when you opened that, that cork, you took that cork out, you, you smelt it and you knew immediately it was Musgrave. The, I think the winners in this game are Hendrix. Hendrix really achieved that and it was certainly my inspiration is they open, you open that bottle, you take a sip, you know it's a Hendrix. And I think Musgrave has achieved that as well. So for me, it's very important that it's memorable and that it, it really, the story we tell, you can taste. And I think people can taste those, those spicy African notes in it. And we always say we're the gin of the spice root. Which is lovely. I mean, I've, I've read that story and, and it's, uh, you know, the taste of, it says you that uh, the, the, the spicy notes and African botanicals echo the taste of exploration. And it is, I mean, just looking at it, it it's a throwback to, to older days um, when, when, you know, as you said, uh, you know, you could sit down in the afternoon in the middle of the bush and in, enjoy a nice gin and tonic. Uh, what is the difference between the pink one and, and, and the, 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 the other one? What is your, is it Musgrave 11 is, is your, your sort of flagship one, am yes. I correct? Correct, okay. that and was our pink? original one. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Musgrave original is 11 botanicals that are collected in, in, in terms of my grandfather's journey. And the, the top botanicals that you taste are cardamom. Cardamom represents the time my grandfather spent in Zanzibar. He was one of the first Christian missionaries to speak to the imams of Zanzibar. And for me, that just that spice island. And cardamom is the perfume of spice. The other botanical is a is a African ginger. Now one can get that all over Africa, and it is a traditional ingredient, usually actually used by traditional healers for stomach health. It's also a symbol of peace and power in the Hausa tradition, and it, we get that from Ghana, and it's grown by local communities in Ghana, and it's almost this uh, ginger root, but with a vanilla banana note to it, and it's used all over. We can get it in the KZN, but we find our best source in Ghana. We then also use a, a pepper called grains of paradise, which is harvested in the rainforests in Ghana. So it's got this beautiful, spicy, gingery note to it. And what we do with the pink is we just tone that down. All the spices are just gently toned, but in fact, it has all of those 11 botanicals in the pink. We then add rose hip, which is the bud of the rose that has these beautiful oils, often used in cosmetics. It's, it adds some tannin and some perfume. And then at the end, we add a rose water flavor to it, which is a natural, 100% natural rose water. And for me, it's just the, the, the excitement of the perfume with the spice that has really captured people. So I always say they're brother and sister. They got the same DNA, but we add some femininity to the pink. I don't know, you know, having a, having a look and chatting to you now, I, I kind of wish I'd started this interview off with, with a gin and tonic. Um, you know, and it's, it's, never, it's never too early. It's got to be, you know, past 12 somewhere in the world. Um, do, do you find that, that uh, guys generally look at the pink gin and go, nah, I'm not so sure? Because I have to admit, there is a part of me that enjoys a good pink gin. That's been an interesting one. Of course, the, the packaging of Musgrave with the roses on the box is such a beautiful uh, sort of perfume feel to it. And of course, women resonate highly with it. 
But what was so interesting to me is that we have not seen the resistance to pink gin from, from men in South Africa and globally, in fact. There, there's, pink has a different connotation uh, that it's changed. It's not, uh, it's not a feminine color. It's actually a, a color of power and beauty. And, and I think the taste of Musgrave is not flowery and too sweet and too pretty. It's actually quite a substantial gin. So initially there may be this resistance around this is a lady's drink, but in fact, we've seen at least 50% of our consumers uh, are men. And we see that feedback on, on our social media and in our, our purchase. So it's been a very interesting journey to see how color is such an important factor in this gin category. Now, Simone, at this stage, do you still, are you still sort of having a, 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 a separate distillery that makes the product for you? Or have you got your own distillery now? No, we contract distill. I've never wanted the, the factory. Um, having had factories and worked in factories, I don't want the overhead and uh, the responsibility. And really, I'm a brand developer and, and product lover. So I choose the experts, uh, find the best place to have it made. And that's really my model. Uh, we bottle, contract and bottle in another place. And, and, you know, now over this corona time, it was a huge advantage because I had no overheads to panic about. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that because I think that's affected a, a whole bunch of people. But before we get on to that, though, you don't just do the gins, though, because that's initially what I thought, okay, this is, I need to speak to someone about the gin because as a, and, you, and you've said this, and I, and, and I, this is what I respect. I mean, this, this powerful woman, single mom, you, you still have to do all the mom stuff. And now you're running a business in the alcohol uh, uh, world, which is traditionally not something that women get into. Uh, and now you've decided that gin isn't enough. What's next? Hmm. Yes, it is a, it's a very male world. And I, I guess I had my, my tough boots on coming out of FMCG, which is quite similarly male. But I think for me, it's always been about the product and the beautiful product. And I was looking at what do I do next? To be honest, there's too many gins in, in the category. There's over 400 gins out there now. I think there'll be a, a, a clean out after this time, but it was just too cluttered. Now to go to a retailer with another gin, it's not going to work. And the consumer is feeling this gin fatigue. So what, what next? And I didn't resonate with vodka. I didn't resonate with some of the other spirits. And I was sort of mulling this over and we were approached by a big brandy producer to say, you know, the brandy category is very tired. The brands are dour. They're not being, they haven't really appealed to our young audience and our female audience. Uh, we would like a young innovative brand to sort of do something with brandy. And I was like, brandy? I mean, I don't even know. I don't drink it. I don't really know anything about it. But we went on a journey uh, with Distill and they showed us the beauty of one of their brands called Fun Rains. And, you know, the, from three-year-old to 21-year-old brandy sitting in these beautiful casks and suddenly the lights went on for me that this is such a truly African product. We are, brand, South African brandy is the most awarded brandy in the world above any cognac. And it started to fit with our heritage story. Uh, the flavors were absolutely beautiful. And I thought, hell, women can drink brandy too. So we went on this journey and I wanted to bring, obviously it was a risky category. The brandy category is losing a million liters a year and it's in serious trouble. And the on uh, impact of that is the farmers are not producing high quality wine spirit to make brandy. So I thought, oh, well, I'm not scared of a, of a challenge. Let's tackle this. And 
what I needed to do was make sure that we disrupt. Musgrave disrupted the gin category by launching pink. We disrupted how packaging is seen, and I wanted to do the same. So we worked with the Distel Fanrains team to pull together a, a blend of some of their beautiful products. And then I wanted to bring this African flavor into the category. So having had our family's businesses run in Zambia, we had a lot of access to African ingredients. And one of them was this beautiful Zambian black honey. It is a, it's a honey that's produced by the bees only in winter in one forest in, in a national park. Local communities collect this honey, bring it to a central point, which is certified organic. And it's savory and marmite and quite liquid. So I said to the Funrains team, I said, can we put this in, the, I want to put this in the brandy. And they looked at me as if I'd gone completely mad. But it's ended up, we've developed a category and, you know, I say it's a genre of brandy called copper, Musgrave copper. It's almost the bourbon of brandy. And it brings flavor. We don't talk about age because we feel the young consumer doesn't really know what VSOP is and all these technical terms. It's not relevant. It's a French designation. It's not relevant to us. And we brought the, the vanilla one is a young, fresh, light in color uh, to, to almost fight against this fear of dark spirits, which exists. And then the black honey is much more serious, um, but also this beautiful, smooth um, honey sort of flavor. And we're saying drink it differently, don't drink it with Coke, um, and see where you go. So it's been really fascinating. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to laugh about us South Africans and our brandy and Cokes. Uh, it is what's involved. We have the founder and CEO of uh, Musgrave chatting to us, Simone Musgrave. And uh, we're chatting now about uh, the brandy that they're making. And uh, when we come back, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about it because it looks and sounds absolutely amazing. More from Simone when we come back. It is what's involved. We are now back with Simone. Um, I, this, this should have been one of those interviews that were in studio, Simone, and, and we should have had a sampling in studio. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, you know, there was at, at a time I heard when, when, when sort of everybody was jumping on the gin bandwagon and you could, you could get all sorts of gins all over the place. There were very few good gins, in my opinion, um, and a lot of mediocre gins. But then, as you said, the market became a bit saturated and people started to go, okay, so what's next? And I heard at a stage that next was going to be um, rum, craft rum. Um, mm -hmm. And yet you've gone the brandy route and this, this black honey um, uh, uh, musgrave copper sounds absolutely phenomenal because this is something you don't slam coke into it. I mean, this is a, a couple of blocks of ice maybe. This is a sipping drink. It's it's pot stilled and, and that's also something that's very important uh, i think some of the finest brandies are in fact pot stilled am i correct yes that's correct and so there's this perception of, a bad sort of perception of brandy as the bar fight drink and you know the the the, the, the lower end brandies are 30 percent brandy blended with 70 percent wine spirit so essentially they're not pure brandy yet those are the ones that give the category a bad reputation the pot still brandies are highly crafted I always say something that sits in a cask for 10 years in a dark room, you've got to respect that. Whereas gin we can make in 16 hours. But there's, there's, there's something really beautiful about the, the crafting of a Potsdam brandy, which is so pure. And it really, you know, it's wine spirit that gains flavor over time. 
Yeah, no. Listen, I'm 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 sitting here and I'm I'm in awe because there's there's just so many things that that we haven't got to yet. Um, yes. Just the fact that you've done this and that you've managed to create this over the last few years, and you seem very, I don't know, very calm and matter of fact. I, I would be doing triple somersaults and flick flacks at 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 the moment because. So you've got you've got the gin, you've got the the copper brandy. What else are we looking at? So um, I'm not going to go into the rum space because I, I haven't seen the numbers. Although it's been a lot of talk, I have seen that the numbers are small. There's 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 something about rum that makes your skin smell, and so there's a resistance around drinking that. Um, although the Bacardi's you know, the white rum is a different space. Um, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. not going that route. My, my passion has always been around format. So we launched our mini, which is a 50 mil, and we launched it quite, you know, minis everyone's had. You can look behind the counter and you see these little minis, but I couldn't understand who was drinking them and for what reason. Anyway, I call it an incidental accident because essentially I thought, I want to put a sexy little pink mini and a Musgrave original mini and you can travel with it, you know, uh, go to your friends, take a few with you to a braai, gift it. And, and so I thought, well, let's just do it. So the bottle that we chose was intended to look like a little bottle of perfume. And my goodness, it just flew. It's now 10% of our turnover. And it's, it's really been something the consumer totally understood. The retailers took time. They didn't believe me that it would work. But instantly, the Instagram community labeled it the handbag gin. And for me, that <laughs> formats, <laughs> and it's, been, it's literally been that. People are in their bags, um, a bunch of flowers, a, sli a slab of chocolate, and a little mini, and your Valentine's is a show win. So for me, formats are interesting because before you launch something else, make a big one, a small one, a bucket, and a, and, and a medium one. And give, you know, so at home, you're going to have your big bottle, the minis you're going to take with you. And our next one, which is launching next week, and people may think I'm mad but uh, to launch it over this time, but essentially, we were meant to launch it in March. It's a 200 mil, and our job is going to be to reinvent the half jack, to be something sexy, not brown paper bagged. And it's the festival, younger... Uh, sort of a place to enter Musgrove. So it's your festival little bottle. It's bottle service for two people. And for me, that is really an interesting space, is format. And I guess after this, it's a one liter pink, which would make the most sense. So before we rush into any new, we, the brandy, we still got lots of work to do on and invest in, uh, is to launch a format uh, that appeal that gives people different ways to use Musgrove. I just love I'm actually looking at the website now, and I've I've been drooling over the website for a while now. Um, but you're, you've got the the, the swigs um, already. It's Correct. the 200 mil ones. There are already uh, some images are on the website. There are, are people able to buy those from the website yet? Yes. In fact, our shop is live with those. The pre-order is only on our shop, but it'll start filtering into the retailers uh, from next week. And uh, we're super excited about it. I think it's, a, it's a, going to be a 199 pickup. So, you know, in this time where everyone's a bit stretched financially, it's still a yeah. way to treat yourself with the Musgrave. And it's a bit more than a 50 mil. So, you know, it's four double shots and, and it's cute and, and funky. So I want to bring in that, that opportunity to be part of Musgrave no matter what your price point is.
and, uh, and I think it's, it, it's exciting as next week. Yeah, and I think a great one of the great things that you guys have done here is um, you've got something called the Musgrave Swigs family. Um, so you get to taste that that range of products. So it's it's the brandy and the gin. Um, Six hundred and fifty rand uh, for four two hundred more bottles. I think that's that's very reasonable. Um, and and then you get to choose what your favourite is. Um, that's right. So Ma, before we before we start wrapping up and we say goodbye and and, and thanks for chatting to us. Um, what I did want to ask you, though, is um, in terms of your brandies, how have you seen those going? Because I've noticed there's been this quiet little move. We mentioned that everybody's talking about the rum, but there's been this, this quiet move towards these more specialized brandies. Have you found that as well? Yes, and I think there's been a lot of work done by the Brandy Foundation to bring the, the reputation of brandy back. Um, it helps to have this conversation in the media, at, at bars and restaurants. So getting mixologists to get involved in cocktail making, and so it's been a it's been a lot of concerted hard work in the industry to to bring the spirit back, and it's critical to our agriculture. So I think what people forget is that behind this this brandy, which is the second biggest category in South Africa, bigger than gin, is is this industry that needs support and it's a local support. So I do see that coming. And, you know, as a brand, we need a lot more money to really push hard. Uh, but what I've always said is bottle by bottle, reputation by reputation. And that's how I built the gins and that's how we are building the brandies and Musgrave Copper has suddenly just, and maybe winter has helped is suddenly just taking off for us. Now, the, the interesting thing, um, and when we come back, as, as we're going to wrap up, I, I want to have a bit of a chat about this, um, is that you now have expanded um, quite a lot internationally. We'll talk about that uh, when we come back. It is what's involved. Special guest is Simone Musgrave, founder, CEO, uh, the do-it-all person of uh, Musgrave uh, Crafted Spirits. When we come back, we'll chat a bit more to her. And we're back. It is what's involved. And uh, my special guest, uh, Simone Musgrave. The more I talk to you, Simone, the more I wish that I'd been sitting here with that, with that drink. But now, <laughs> talk to me about, about you know, you've, you've done all of this stuff. And again, we seem to, and I can't help feeling, we seem to have glossed over the single mom doing this. I mean, and <laughs> it's, it's come out beautifully. What is, what is the secret there? I think it's a passion for product. Um, you know, if I speak to young entrepreneurs or, or women who want to go into business and, and some of the, the barriers that exist, if, if you have a passion for the product and for, your, for what you do, it's, it's really easy. So every day I wake up and do something. Um, I don't always get it right. Uh, sometimes it's flipping hard and you fight some battles, but if you just wake up every day and do something, you, you're bound to get it right. I certainly am not an alcohol expert, a brand expert, but I do have a passion for, for, for beautiful things. And, and that really is what drives me. Um, I want to be a role model to my two daughters and to women in South Africa to say that there's no industry that's untouchable, but you've got to wake up in the morning and do something. And, and I think that's always been my secret. And I certainly felt that during lockdown, you know, two months of not being able to do was like being in prison for me. Uh, and so I ended up doing a huge amount around my house, you know, just so that I would wake up and do something. And I think that's all I've done is every day do something to push Musgrave forward. Well, I think you've done a fantastic job. And 
I must compliment you as well. Your your website is absolutely beautiful. Um, I love the idea that we can go in there and and and, and shop. And it's not just uh, you know you've got other bits and pieces on there. And I think it's well worth uh, checking out the website. Uh, once again, that uh, address is musgravespirits.com. Musgravespirits.com. Go and check it out there. We talked briefly about uh, your international exposure now, Simon. Tell me a little bit about yes. that. Uh, how, where, where are you now being, where's your product being sold now? So we are selling to about 18 countries. And what's been so interesting about that is I haven't approached one of them. Uh, we had in, uh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago now, we had a little bit of a, a lucky win in that CNN did a seven, the Inside Africa sort of splurge on us, and which was about a 20 minute show, which obviously appears four times a day, seven days of the week. And with that, it just opened up the world. And we are in almost all African countries up to Nigeria. We are in pockets of Europe. Europe's quite hard, it's quite cluttered with gins, but we are doing really well, Switzerland and Germany. Uh, we are in New York, Florida, uh, San Francisco and LA and again a tough market the US uh, but we've survived there for two years and doing nicely and and then we scattered little pockets of Taiwan uh, Japan and and really just crazy kind of uh, expansion so it peaks at different seasons which is great as well so when it's winter here we find the uptake in Europe and, and in summer in on the gin especially we haven't managed to export brandy yet but we've only really had brandy for a year and so that's been a really interesting journey it's tough because the, you know you you can't support that much with the exchange rate but our importers are also passionate small business owners and have really driven our brand so 20% of our sales is now export I think that's absolutely fantastic. I always love hearing about uh, South African uh, companies and, and hearing how they're doing and doing well. It gives people some inspiration. Um, Simon, Timon, two things before I let you go. Um, first thing, what is one thing about Simone that most people don't know? I mean, obviously you're around and about. People know who you are. They know you as a CEO. What is something that people don't know about you? I think I look from the outside so successful and confident, which I, which I am confident, but the, every single day I fear, fear the failure. And maybe is, that's what I need to drive me. But I sometimes look and think, what are you all on about? It's just a little business that I run every day. And, and I think that, you know, that fear of failure sits deep within me. Um, and, and maybe it does in every entrepreneur. But uh, from the outside, one often doesn't know that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in conclusion, Simone, what is next? What is next for Musgrave Crafted Spirits? Well, to be honest, we, we now need to scale. The hard thing about scaling a small business is the production, the procurement, and, and the in South Africa, the national distribution. Instead of using small little businesses to get your product to the right places, um, there's only a, there's a limit that, that that allows. And so I guess, you know, who would like to to acquire Musgrave would be a great, a great opportunity. You know, Inverosh moved from that, from small business to Perno Record recently. It is the obvious trajectory. And am I ready? I probably am. So in order to take this business to the next level, um, I probably need a big player. 
to come in and say, well, let's partner. Um, and it's kind of scary because it's my third child. But realistically, that's probably where we're headed. Yeah, it's, it's always a tough decision with something like that. I mean, it's your baby, you've raised it and, and you'd have this, exactly. you know, this, this great affinity and affection for it. And then, you know, the corporate guys come in and suddenly it becomes more about the numbers. Um, but, yes, uh, and, and my name's on the bottle. So it is a, it's an emotional one. But I do want to, I always said to myself when I was growing up, I want, one day I'm going to do something great. And I think Musgrave could be my great, but it needs to be greater now. I absolutely believe it can it, it can be and you know I'm I'm now sort of again I'm kicking myself it's it's now a Friday so I can't even rush out and go and get myself some Musgrave or and I'm definitely <laughs> wanting to try that uh, that brandy as well because that black honey sounds absolutely fantastic uh, but hey Monday's around the corner so we'll be able to do it then certainly is uh, Simone. Thank you so much for taking the time out, having a chat to us. Uh, people can order online, and uh, that happens all the time. The online shop is open. It's musgravespirits.com. Musgrave uh, so that's the best place for anybody to get hold of you via the website. Yes, there's an email address that will come directly to my inbox, and our shop is live. We've, we're listing all kinds of interesting things. Swigs are ready to go, so uh, please get in touch. Oh, and a quick one, just for those of you who are G&T fans, um, they've got a very nice elderflower syrup that's available as well, and it works fantastically with uh, absolutely with the with, the, with both of them, in fact. Really, I had I hadn't thought about I hadn't thought about elderflower with a pink gin, but uh, certainly with uh, with your 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 other gin, I would definitely uh, do every now and again a bit of elderflower in there. So, Ryan, thank you. Have lovely. yourself a lovely weekend, and uh, I look thank forward you, to David. hearing from you and and hearing that the business is going from strength to strength. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great weekend.